Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome to the Arrowhead Addict Podcast. I am Sterling Holmes, not joined by Matt Connor today. He is under the weather. He was questionable, moved to out. So Joe Summers filling in for Maddie C. Joe, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm trying to fill a little bit of a combo. Noah Gray, Blake Bell, step in roll, combine the two stat sheets. Hopefully we come up with a good day today. How about yourself? We're not using you on those QB sneaks though, man. We're, we're not going to do it. Short yardage, Joe. I'm sorry. We're going to have to figure something else out, okay? I don't know. Maybe one shot. I think I can do a jet sweep. We'll see. <laughs> a lot to get into today. A lot of uh, R-E-L-A-X in honor of Aaron Rodgers, right? We're going to try and, and frame this, kind of pump the brakes a little bit here and, and maybe try and, and slow down some of the overreactions that have been going on in Chiefs Kingdom. But before we get to all of that, I want to let everyone know we have a great new thing, a great new partnership with Points Bet Sports Book. They are running a new betting promo and you do not want to miss this for a limited time new users can sign up and place a $50 bet to receive $150 promotional credit at fanatics.com even if your first bet loses you will still receive the $150 credit that you can use to purchase a new jersey of your favorite chiefs player maybe emma holmes jersey look at that come on now don't you want that if you want that jersey go do that put 50 bucks place that bet at points bet sports book to claim this offer go to arrowheadaddict.com forward slash bets by scanning the qr code on screen or by clicking the link in the description sign up for points bet through our link to make sure you receive your 150 credit this offer is available until september 18th to new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states please remember to always gamble responsibly check the episode description for the full terms of the offer all right, let's start first with Chris Jones. That's been the big news we talked about with Patrick and myself yesterday. But I want to get your thoughts on this, Joe. What's your initial thought process on Chris Jones coming back to Kansas City with his one-year revamped deal? Happy in the short term, resigned to the idea that this is his last season in red and white for the long term. I thought you and Patrick did a great job yesterday covering some of the shortcomings uh, of the deal from Chris Jones. And from my end, it's awesome that we get him back. The game against Jacksonville is obviously massive. But it's really hard to look at this deal and come away thinking that Chris Jones is going to be a chief long term unless him and his side make significant concessions in the negotiations. We saw it was reported that the Chiefs offered him. He turned this down. In my opinion, this is the worst deal for him. So I, I see this playing out, him having a great year, and then moving forward, getting that 30-plus million a year from a different team. But it feels like the Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, one last dance. 
I'm ready for one last ride, baby. Let's, let's let's bring it home. Yeah, before I get into the details, that is a good point. One last ride. Who who cares at this point about next year? Who cares at this point what happens with the future of Chris Jones? What we care about is the Chiefs this year, and hopefully that means winning the Super Bowl. Chris Jones on this team this year, that is what we, what we should have our focus on. Per NBC Sports, he'll have the same base salary of $19.5 million minus the lost game check for week one. One that is just around 1.1 million. He does now have this incentive package that pushes the maximum total value of 25 million point one six six six. Repeating, of course, uh, he will get one million for participating in 35 percent of the defensive snaps. He gets another one million for participating in 50 percent of the snaps. He had an existing 1.25 million dollar incentive for reaching 10 sacks that now increases to 1.75 million if he gets 15 sacks. Now. And that's going to be 15 sacks and how many games? Yes, only 16 that 17th game because he already missed one. He also gets 1 million if he's named first team all pro and if the Chiefs make it to the Super Bowl. He gets another 2 million if he's named defensive player of the year and the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Now, for everyone wondering about the waivable nature of the uh, the fines, right? Not happening. That $2.1 million in training camp fines were not waivable. He has to make that back through incentives as long, or I, sh- I should say, along with that game check. So even if he hits every single incentive, he'll end up with a net of $22.166, repeating, of course, million dollars so all of that posturing sitting out all of that stuff just to make an extra 2.5 chiefs have to win the super bowl he has to be dpoi all pro 15 sacks he has an uphill battle i'm ready to see it happen i mean the chiefs really come out of this with the huge win-win because either he doesn't play that great and the value or the cost to sign him long term goes down or he's amazing and the best defensive player in football. We win the Super Bowl. Job well done. And now Chris Jones has that true contract here. We can see what he do, what he does with it. Says he's been working out. Says he's in game shape. Can play this Sunday. I hope he's right because Jacksonville is a pretty good team. Uh, and I'm seeing that comment from Sean right there. Uh, yes, it says and. According to the wording that I have seen per NBC Sports, it's first team all pro and if the Chiefs make it to the Super Bowl. The other one is $2 million if he's named Defensive Player of the Year and the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. So that means that's an and, not an or. Uh, I will also point out you asked the most amount, uh, again, a net of 22.1666 million. Uh, That is the net after the missed game check as well as the fines for missing training camp. Not great, you know, from Chris Jones' side. I, I can't imagine the Cats brothers are too happy right now. I can't imagine Chris Jones is too happy right now. But again, all that is behind us. Now it is time to talk about Chris Jones in a chief uniform, what he does to help transform this defense. I talked about it before he got back. You know, I said he was a pendulum. With Chris Jones, this is a top 10 defense. Without Chris Jones, it's a bottom 10 defense. Well, maybe... This is just a damn good defense. We saw what they did against the Detroit Lions, holding them to only 14 points when they were on offense. The addition now of Chris Jones. Joe, in your estimation, what should this defense look like against the Jacksonville Jaguars? Well, it's tough because the Jags are such a good offensive team, but I I expect Chris Jones' largest impact to come late in the game. So when when we punted, or excuse me, when we missed the 4th and 25 late in the game, and when we had punted the possession prior to that to give the Lions all this time to potentially run out the clock, That was a scenario 
We saw in the AFC Championship game, we've seen in the Super Bowl against the Niners, plenty of situations prior to where Chris Jones makes a huge play late in the game to give Patrick Mahomes the ball back with a legitimate chance to win the game. Didn't happen against Detroit. And so the defense looked great early on. In the fourth quarter, they got pushed around a bit at the line of scrimmage, which is fair. They were worn out by a great offensive line. That's where a guy who can compete for defensive player of the year comes in. So I think the largest impact that we'll see is late in the game, and I hope, because we've seen so many games where he, we're in a bad spot, he makes a play, Pat gets the ball back, Travis Kelsey touchdown, the game's over. So I think that late in the game, we'll see a huge impact, but I also think he's going to make life easier for Karloftis, who looked good, for FAU, who looked good, for Dana, who looked good, for all those other defensive uh, players on the linemen. He's going to command double teams, give them easier matchups, and then you've got guys like Trent McDuffie in the in the secondary making plays. It's just going to make everyone's life easier. It's like playing Madden on all Madden, and now suddenly you're down at pro. So I, I hope things are a lot better, especially given how good Jacksonville can look with Calvin Ridley and that explosive offense. Yeah. Uh, one thing I forgot to bring up regarding the Chris Jones uh, new revamp deal, according to Jeremy Fowler, says Chiefs new deal with Chris Jones does not include a no franchise tag clause. So the team still reserves the right to tag him in 2024, a.k.a. a potential uh, tag and trade. Right. Um, that still is a possibility for Kansas City. So the Chiefs really still hold a ton of leverage over Chris Jones. But I'm with you. Uh, I wonder how much we will see Chris Jones as far as snap count share, right? You know, I know obviously he wants to hit those incentives, so he's going to be probably itching to play. But I've said time and time again, I know folks are obviously sick of me saying game shape and great shape are two different types of, uh, of shape, two very different uh, situations here. But he is not in game shape. He's in great shape, a little different. Uh, I wonder if we see him play 30%, 40%. You know, I was talking to Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry just a a few minutes ago, and he said maybe we see Chris Jones on second and third down. You know, maybe we don't see him a ton on first. Maybe you try and save him, like how the Cowboys do with Micah Parsons, right? Mm -hmm. So they they use Micah Parsons when they say, hey, we need need you to get after the quarterback. You know, we we, we know you're great on first down, too. We know you, you can stop the run and set the edge and do all of these things, but where do you bring the best value? That's you being ready on an obvious passing down situation. I wonder how they they maneuver, Steve Spagnuolo maneuvers this Chris Jones situation against Jacksonville. Well, and we saw Nick Bosa in a similar situation come in and play. I forget the exact number, 60 to 70% of the snaps, a decent amount. Particularly with the contract language, I expect him to play over 50, but I do <laughs> expect it to be skewed towards those high leverage situations, especially the way that you know Mike Dana performed last week. If you're going to be in an early down run situation, that's the time to pick and choose your spots and get Jones off the field because we're going to need him late in the game. We're going to need him to force some kind of turnover on Trevor Lawrence, potentially like those high leverage spots where I expect to see him. But I do think he'll play north of 50%. In regards to this defensive line, I'm very enthused. I, I expected this to be a struggle, especially early on Sands, Chris Jones, and obviously no Charles Amenahu for the first six weeks of the year. You know, Mike Dana, I, I, you're always sitting here saying great replacement level player, but I do think to an extent we, we need to put give him some more credit. He has perpetually played better than he's just an unsung guy, man. I mean, Mike Dana does a little bit of everything inside, outside, inside of that 
NASCAR package. You know, he gets his hands on the balls. He's he's a very smart player, even if he's not the most athletically gifted type of guy. Karloftis, we know what he brings to the table. FAU, I thought, looked good in limited action. Mm-hmm. Hell, Derek Nani, I thought, looked pretty fine. He looked better than he did over the past, what, year and a half. This defensive line has been ran through the mud, if you will, without Chris Jones. You know, myself included, I've said, you know, they look bad without Chris Jones and Charles Aminahu for the first six for the first six games of this year. But yet they brought something. They brought a little something extra. They performed against a top five offensive line in the Detroit Lions. Well, yes, at times they got gashed by Jameer Gibbs. What team won't? You know, I'm left thinking maybe we should be a little more enthusiastic about some of these guys on the D line that are not named Chris Jones. If the defensive line outside of Chris Jones plays the same game that they did against the Lions against Jacksonville this week, I'll feel really good about our chances because they they gave us every chance to win that game. And you look at the way that the Colts played against Jacksonville last week, that encourages me. And if Chris Jones brings a modicum of his standard level to the defensive line performance we saw last week, then we're going to be in Trevor Fields. Trevor Lawrence's grill all game long. Mm. In, in regards to the defense as a whole, I, I want to touch on Steve, uh, Steve Spagnuolo because mm-hmm. he had, in my opinion, one of the best game plans he possibly could have. That that mm-hmm. was just an absolutely phenomenal job by Spagnolo. And I'm sitting here wondering if we see the same aggressiveness with the design blitzes as we saw against Detroit, as if we'll see that against uh, Jacksonville. But part of me thinks we probably won't. I think part of the reason why we saw so much against the Lions was Jared Goff is a statue back there. There was no concern for him uh, extending plays, gashing you, you know, for for 20 yards. With Trevor Lawrence, that is part of his game. While he's not a run first quarterback by any means, Trevor Lawrence is a big, strong guy who will use his legs to pick up first downs if it is if the opportunity is brought to him. You know, will we see those design blitzes with the improvement, the mobility of Trevor Lawrence over Jared Goff? Well, and not only that, but Doug Peterson knows that Trevor Lawrence is more mobile and he'll be willing to use him in rollouts and things like that. That's going to put more pressure on the defense. So I do think that Spags will be I think he'll be more cautiously aggressive. I think potentially in big spots that Chris Jones is on the field, if he's got a matchup he likes, then we'll send Snead or or mix up some of the linebackers and the disguises. But I do think that that fear of knowing that you've got a guy like Lawrence, a similar running back in ETN that can catch the ball and be really elusive out of the backfield. I mean, yeah, I think it's a lot harder to put a ton of pressure on the defense and feel good about it knowing that he can run around and then make those throws on the run and has a guy in Calvin Ridley that, I mean, can do whatever he wants down the field. His route running looked like he did not miss a year of football. He was really impressive. And and as much as I love Amon Ross St. Brown, him and Calvin Ridley are just different receivers with like the, the way that they play and the way they run routes. So Calvin Ridley has more of that down the field oh, Trevor escaped the pocket, let me float off into space and get a deep play. So I think we're more liable to be beat if we're aggressive and it doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, shout out to TPT. Thank you so much for the super chat. Says, going to the Jags versus Casey game. Will I see Chris Jones play? Hey, first and foremost, have fun, dude. Have a great time. Bring home a Chiefs dub. But to answer your question, according to Matt Derrick at ChiefsDigest.com, I I 
Matt Derrick's outstanding. He goes to every single training camp day. Uh, Matt Derrick, if you're not following him, make sure you do. He has great up-to-date news. Uh, but Matt Derrick says the Chiefs have been granted a two-week roster exemption for Chris Jones that expires September 25th. So he will not count against the roster or salary cap while under this exemption. Hmm. The Chiefs can remove the roster exemption at their discretion. So technically, it's not guaranteed that you will see Chris Jones against Jacksonville. If it were me, I would say you you, you probably will. You know, if I'm a betting man, I would say you probably will see Chris Jones. But again, it's not an absolute guarantee. The Chiefs do have that up until the 25th to put him on the active roster. And they will have to find ways because right now they're about going to be, if they try to activate him right now, I think I saw something about $8 million over the salary cap. So to become compliant, they're going to have to find some way to make this work. Not sure exactly how it's going to go down, but there actually is some monetary trouble that Chiefs might come into trying to uh, get Chris Jones on the act of 53 right now. So, I I mean, you won't say you guarantee it and that's the wise thing to do. From where I stand, I feel like it's a guarantee they're going to figure it out and he's going to play. If we had won week one and weren't staring 0-2 down, then I think maybe we'll see what happens and see if Kelsey plays. But I think that we're coming in here guns a-blazing, and I think that was a point of emphasis this week. You don't want to go down 0-2 with the second half of the season schedule that we have. I think he's playing at least to a limited capacity no matter what. Fully anticipate some news over the next couple of days of Brett Veach doing some magic and getting us under the salary cap. I imagine they've been working on those scenarios for months now, or weeks now, rather. So I fully expect Chris Jones to be out there. Kelsey is the question mark, but I would be stunned if we go through all of Sunday and Jones doesn't hit the field against a team that we could be fighting for the one seed against. Well, and the fact that Chris Jones is going to want to see this because for his own incentives, mm-hmm. Chris exactly. Jones is going to be doing everything possible to get on that football field. In regards to Travis Kelsey, since you brought this up, uh, we're going to be fully transparent. We don't have anything concrete regarding Kelsey. Uh, all the people I've been talking to – it's been interesting. You know, you've heard some some super positive reports. Then you've heard, heard some more, uh, uh, we don't know, reports. Uh, Andy Reid will be speaking, obviously, over the next couple of days. We'll get a better understanding. But even with Andy Reid speaking, you know what we're going to get. I, I could give you two words he's going to say right now. If I could bet on this, I would bet on this right now. It's going to say, we'll see. Guaranteed, Andy Reid will say, we'll see. And so that's what it comes down to. We won't know about Travis Kelsey probably until Sunday, uh, until he absolutely has to lock in, whether it's questionable, out, or playing. I think this is going to be a legitimate game-time decision. I, I do too. And I know that there was a report that they were going to you know, try to run him yesterday and today and see if the knee swelled up. Hopefully it didn't. The, the scare that the Chiefs initially had about what the injury could be versus what it was – makes me think that they're going to lean on the side of caution. And if he does play, it'll be to a bit of a limited capacity. It's possible that, you know, his knee got hurt proposing to Taylor Swift. As I see so much. <laughs> I don't know on Kelsey. I think it's a true coin flip, a 50-50. I know he's going to be fighting to get out there, yeah. especially especially after the loss last week. But I believe in Reed and Veach to exercise caution and make sure that we don't have a nightmare scenario like what happened to Rogers last night. Yeah, uh, I was talking to Todd Lebo and he was there. He was Todd Lebo over here with Sports Radio 810 WHB. Um, I was talking to him. He was at the game and he said he was watching Travis Kelsey a lot. 
from the media, just, just binoculars watch to see his reaction during the game. And he was just sitting there going, man, it, you could tell it was killing him not being out there. You could tell he was such a vital aspect as far as just being a, a a great teammate you know one of the first guys to cheer up someone who had a drop one of the first guys uh to congratulate you know Rasheed Rice is all of this so uh, I thought it was fascinating how Travis Kelsey you could tell he wanted to be out there but at the same time you know he was being the the ultimate teammate just trying to pick his guys up well and, and he's a leader right? like he has been with this team for so long and he knows his role with the team and being like the cool funny guy that also shows up when it matters and takes this extremely seriously. So kudos to him for remaining a leader of this team. And I think especially that kind of presence in the face of everything that was going on with Chris Jones and kind of the the weird uncertainty of the situation, Kelsey being that constant force, I think is a big boost for this team. I expect him to do everything he can to play, but if his knee swelled up when they ran him, then he should not play. If it didn't, then he'll probably be out there dealing with the pain. Um, but hopefully we get good news tomorrow. I would expect us to hear by tomorrow at least an indication one way or another. For what it's worth, the the betting markets seem to be under the impression that he's going to play. We were at two-and-a-half-point favorites before Chris Jones signed. We're at three now. Seeing the impact that Kelsey had on last week's line, if oddsmakers didn't think that he was going to play, I don't think the line would have moved. Um, so oddsmakers seem to think that he's going to play, and I, and I hope they're right. Uh, I see a fun little comment here from Justin. I think this is a pretty interesting way of looking at this. He says, in a weird way, I want Kelsey to be out so the media can see this offense without him with 10 days to game plan and stop saying Mahomes can't do anything without Kelsey. Justin, I I actually agree with this because part of me is sitting here going, you're hearing the national media say, no Travis Kelsey, his offense grinds to a halt. You know, where's Mahomes' binky, his security blanket? And, And part of me is sitting here saying, Andy Reid, literally had no idea Kelsey was going to be out until two days before. It's not Andy Reid coming off a bye the week one. He did not have all offseason to prepare for this. Up until two days before the game, they thought Kelsey was going to be there. And then even at game time, it was a question mark. So that was a huge drop-off. Ten days to prepare for Andy Reid and Mahomes to get right, to, to work with Noah Gray, Blake Bell, um, you know, to an extent Matt Bushman, and the rest of his wide receivers. You know what I'm saying? So with 10 days off, Justin, I almost agree with you. I do want Travis Kelsey to play, by the way, if he's healthy. And we, we know there's no long-term chance for injury. But I understand the, the thought process of, yeah, let's shut the national media up. Let Mahomes and Andy Reid have 10 days to game plan without Travis Kelsey before we make this absolute blanket statement. Well, let's not forget that Andy Reid knows his, his opponent pretty well. It's Doug Peterson. He knows his offense, and he's got that extra time. And I wonder to that Note if the Chiefs have a better idea at this point about Kelsey's availability than if they're letting on. Because, I mean, if we get to Thursday and it's still questionable, you know, that, that's another not that many practices to necessarily plan for it. But if they have a pretty good idea right now if he's going to play or not, they've got all week to put those packages in or to use him as a decoy or to use packages where he appears to be a first option, but is actually, you know, second or third for Sky or Kadarius or whoever. So I, I think, ha- I think they have a much better idea than we do. And that's partially why, you know, the lips have been kind of been sealed the last couple of days. Yeah. Uh, I'm seeing some folks, Holly, appreciate you asking about uh, Noah Gray. I-, I think Noah Gray actually did a fine job last week. Um, he's not Travis Kelsey. 
he he did his his best uh, Travis Kelsey impersonation on that rumbling, bumbling, the graceful bison, if you will. Uh, I thought it was a very nice play by Noah Gray, but he's no Travis Kelsey. Uh, and the Chiefs also like to run a lot of 12 personnel. We know this. That that would be Travis Kelsey and Noah Gray on the field at the same time. That's just another added dimension. Noah Gray is a legit NFL tight end. I think you look around, probably 31 other teams would love to have Noah Gray as a starter, maybe not, but as a, a guy on the roster, 100%. Uh, I like Noah Gray. Uh, I trust Noah Gray. Maybe not in a full season yet, but a game here and there, I do like Noah. Sean says, Sterling and Joe, I want your honest opinion on Sky's ceiling. Uh, let's switch gears and talk about wide receivers here. We'll start with this question from Sean. He says, personally, I see him as a decent slot receiver at best. Joe, I'll let you start first. Ceiling. Christian Kirk last year, a dependable, effective number two that has a chance to really pop for a big season. There's a guy that works for Yahoo named Matt Harmon that does really great work on something called reception perception, where he basically looks at the film of every single route that a receiver runs and how effective they are against different kinds of coverages. And what he came away with with Sky Moore last year was that the Chiefs were essentially trying to create a new wide receiver from the ground up. We ran him 40% of the time out of the slot, 39% from the outside, moving him all over the formation. And we saw him you know, come on a jet sweep last week. So we're trying to make him a really versatile wide receiver, but it appears that he isn't the prototype of like a true number one. Like he is, he's a guy that could compliment a Kelsey in the passing game or someone that commands that target share. And then he can kind of fill in, in the gaps and run these different types of routes. So it was a ceiling, not a number one. And last week was discouraging to say the least. But I do think that in a situation where the defense is focused on a guy like Kelsey or a guy like Kadarius, you know, not last week, notwithstanding that then he can kind of slide in and find those open spots. So his ceiling, I would put it Christian Kirk last year, 1100 yards, seven or eight touchdowns. I don't necessarily think that's what he's going to be long-term though. <laughs> yeah. But, but part of me is I don't want to overreact to one game. I don't want to overreact to a small sample size of a guy coming from a very small school who we know was going to be a little bit of a project because when he came out of college and when I saw him last year in the limited sample size, I thought I can kind of see this guy becoming a Deontay Johnson type for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, it's right. Right. Um, you know, he, he doesn't have the, the craziest combine numbers, but he is shifty and he should be able to get separation because he's known as a good route runner. Well, Deontay Johnson, if you look at the combine numbers and compare him to Deontay or Deontay and Sky Moore, I mean, they're eerily similar, eerily similar. So I'm sitting here going, all right, well, maybe he can be Deontay Johnson, but with those Johnny Benchian sized hands. I thought that'd be a very good player. And I don't want to overreact, okay? Because the whole point of this second segment is Chiefs wide receiver overreaction. But I need to see more. And I was concerned about the lack of separation from Sky Moore. The drops, I think they can resolve that. We've seen Devontae Adams go through his drop issues in his career. He, he's figured that out, right? In regards, you got that dog in that house, dog. We, I want Sky Moore to become a dog. Joe's got a dog in his house, okay? But when it comes to Sky Moore, yeah, that dog agrees with me, okay? He agrees with me. He's got to create separation. He has to. It has to be a good route runner because with that size, the fine speed, but not not this crazy speed and athleticism, you got to get open. Well, and, and separation was his thing coming out of college. And I thought in a limited sample size last year that he did a really good job at creating separation and just the timing wasn't always right. So uh, there, were a, there were a few players where I looked and I thought that he was open and the progression just didn't go his way. But on the whole... I, I need to see a little bit better and I'm willing to chalk it up to, to a rough game because I, I do think that separation was kind of his calling card and 
if the Deontay Johnson comp is accurate, he's one of the best separators in the league. He just doesn't get in the end zone. So that that's a really good comp, in my opinion, because I do think that Sky Moore can be that separation guy. And I wonder if it was just the matchup with the Lions. I'll be really interested to see how the Jags defend him. And I want to see the if Kelsey can play, I want to see what it looks like when Sky Moore gets to kind of fill those voids from the the attention that Kelsey create, uh, commands because that seems to be the perfect spot for him. Like he kind of looked around, he's so versatile, he can do so many different things. Okay, here, I see, here's where the space is. Let me go over there. And the communication, the trust in the offense that I thought we were going to see last week, we did. And I'm optimistic for Sky. I, I think that he can still separate, but we're going to need to see something over these next few weeks. And if it doesn't happen next week, it better happen against the Bears and that horrific the fucking horrific secondary so like, that is the that is the game where if we don't see something out of sky by week three if he's sitting at four catches for 34 yards we got we got to ring the alarms we got a problem then uh in regards to Kadarius tony we we've talked pretty ad, not, ad nauseum about the the drops i don't want to keep beating a man while he's down realistically he will never have a game that bad again because I don't know if I've ever seen a wide receiver have that bad of a game in my entire life, high school, college, NFL. That was brutal. That's one of those games where that last pass to him, you could tell he did not want the rock thrown his way. He he alligator armed it. He Chuck Knoblocked it. If you want some baseball terms, Rick Ain healed it. Uh, he had the yips. He didn't want to be out there. It's like a golfer with the hosels. But one thing that was slightly alarming that I want to take a look at here was Kadarius Tony against zone coverage because he had a chance to just sit down. We, he's a great route runner against man. Kadarius Tony can get open. He's very athletic, can get separation. That's a, a good thing for Kadarius. But against zone coverage, he actually had a wide open spot where he was there. And then he kept drifting into Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell, great play, gave him a lot of credit. He shouldn't have even been in position to make that play. Mahomes had to try and still throw it to the back back shoulder of Kadarius because Tony should have sat down in that wide open zone. Uh, are you concerned at all with Tony in regards to some of the route running, especially against zone? I'm willing to chalk it all up to he got less time on the field than Aaron Rodgers did. Like he got hurt on the first punt return and didn't have training camp, didn't have preseason. He was a midseason acquisition last year. I'm willing to chalk it up to that and believe in Tony's ability. And I don't think that the Chiefs would have been hyping him up the way that they had all offseason if he hadn't shown them something. And every indication was that the Chiefs entered this year believing that Kadarius Tony was their de facto wide receiver one, the number two target on the offense, if you want to call Kelsey number one. So to see that, it just looked like a guy that didn't have the timing down, probably got in his head pretty quick after those first couple drops, especially the pick six that let the Lions right back into the game. I, I am willing to chalk that up to the worst professional outing that he possibly could have had you know you had a bad meeting to start off your work day and all of a sudden you make a typo on an email and everything goes downhill for you you spill coffee on exactly like everything that could go wrong does and you just want to go home but instead we're all watching you live millions of people around the world so i'm going to talk after that because he was getting open uh that that zone play that Campbell broke up notwithstanding he was the wide receiver that was creating the most separation and that was really encouraging to me for me it's I think that we're going to go back to him early and often this week get his confidence back up if that doesn't work like if we go right at him and he drops one and then has another drop <laughs> then we might have to bring in like a Ted Lasso sports psychologist oh you bring in Justin Ross, baby I got, I go, <laughs> there hey, you go Justin, there you on. go 
Come on, pal. But I'm 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 not concerned with the the first week out of Kadarius Tony because I it was just so bad. If it was a little bit bad, then maybe. But it was so bad that I just have to chalk it up to a bad day. Uh, Rasheed Rice had a bad drop. And then he bounced back with his first touchdown in the NFL. Uh, really cool for Rasheed. Very happy for him. I like seeing him. Uh, I, I will say you saw why the Chiefs held on to MVS and Justin Watson for the lack of talk they were getting, the lack of hype, and quite frankly, uh, maybe even some disrespect, if you will. It seemed mm-hmm. like Justin Watson particularly was getting ripped on. That's why the Chiefs wanted to keep those two veterans. Uh, MVS with a huge catch late. Uh was that actually the second, the first half to end the first half that one over the middle that he that he brought in where he got absolutely decked? I think it was. I think it was the end of the first half. Yeah, because I think that was when we went up and we felt all felt all good. But 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 MVS that just that catch right there, being able to hold onto the ball, knowing you're going to get popped, and, and still being able to have the the wherewithal to, to hold onto the rock, and then Justin Watson those two nice catches, but he also had the long uh, pass interference that he drew. That was just a veteran move by Justin mm-hmm. Watson. You know, qu- quite frankly, I was I was impressed with those two guys. L- let me ask you this: Do you think we'll see more Justin Ross? Do you think we'll see Richie James more involved, or do you think it's still going to be the Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony? They're getting the first couple cracks. Kadarius Tony actually only played 16 snaps in this game, which makes the negative impact so impressive, right? But 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 who, who do you think we'll see getting the first cracks against Jacksonville? I think Kadarius is going to get the first crack just to get the disaster out of his mind. Um, other than that, though, Sky Moore's target share was so tiny. Uh, Richie James, I don't think I saw on the field once besides special teams. So any kind of involvement would, would be more for him. And and based on like last week was the drop game from hell. Richie James last year was the best wide receiver at preventing drops and catching the ball. His catch percentage is the highest in the league. He seems to be a very logical solution to this mm-hmm. problem. Involve him a little bit. Justin Ross, I honestly, so what I think will happen is, is if things go poorly early, with Tony, I think they're going to probably go more once or twice. Then if those, if those do not work, then we see Justin Ross, but I could see Richie James getting involved ahead of Justin Ross, just because he's had that dependability. It's like, okay, the the one thing you do is the thing that apparently nobody else can do. So we need you here. But otherwise I think it'll only be a disaster strikes again. Uh, I love this comment from Trevor uh, says Sterling, how many black and milds you lighting up on Sunday? If we beat the all of them (laughs) black and mild wine wood tip, baby, we're crushing them. We're chain smoking those bad boys. After my heart. Those with, with, with a nice bourbon. Oh, yeah. It's going to be out. Those, maybe a nice little cigar, too. Uh, maybe switch it up. Go back and forth. You can have some black and mild and a cigar. We'll get after it. It's going to be a good time. I want to talk about the short yardage sh- situations for the Chiefs. Uh, before I get into the overarching R-E-L-A-X for Kansas City, let's talk about the short yardage situations. I, I want to say I actually liked Andy Reid in the, in the offensive game plan the majority of this game. I, I actually did. A lot of it, if you, if you look back, at it it was just drops i mean andy, mm-hmm. sorry was andy Rico, he's, he's not making the catches out there he, he's drawing up plays some guys got open didn't catch the rock it happens but the short yarded situations in my opinion are firmly on his shoulders love andy reed this is not a call to, to fire andy i know people are going to take this as he knows more than i do i get that but they're not infallible and, and this was a situation where we've seen time and time again seems like they get too cute they overthink they almost want to be the smartest guy in the room. 
What do you make of these short yardage struggles for Kansas City? I think you nailed it. I think he's trying to be the smartest guy in the room. And it's really cool when it works and it looks really stupid when it doesn't. It's it's kind of a like an offensive philosophy that kind of frustrates me. Is so we see my my number one pet peeve is what sets up these third and short runs. And it is the second and seven, second and eight runs up the middle where we get to that third and three range or something like that, that sets up these awful decisions. And, it, and it's, it's a, it's a really weird like dichotomy because you've got the situation that calls for a pass. You're going to run the ball situation that might call for a run. You're going to go craziest trick play. You can find out of your back pocket. And, and sometimes you just need to understand, like you don't need to reinvent, reinvent the wheel. You just need to be the fastest hamster on it. And you've got the best hamsters in the league. You've got Mahomes leading your offense. Andy Reid could design a vanilla offense, but then anybody else could. So just run faster on the wheel. You don't have to necessarily reinvent it. It drives me crazy. And I think that as Pacheco gets back up to speed, that we could see him being used more up the middle. Because if if you're going to try to just use a bunch formation, might as well let your crazy fast, powerful guy run through it instead of Blake Bell or whoever. But I, I really hope that they take it as a wake-up call. And I think that a, an opposing coach like Doug Peterson that knows these tendencies can help unlock that more, I don't know if aggressive is the right word, but just more strategic version of the offense that we need. Because we, we can't just have a bunch formation and then do a fake little jet sweep that no. it, I'm sick of it. Uh, I'm only being slightly facetious when I say, hey, hey, Donovan Smith, just get a false start. We know you get penalties. Oh, it's, it. it's, it's been something throughout your career. And uh, if you want to get a penalty out of the way, j- just do it on a third and one. Get a false start. So the Chiefs have to go to third and six. And quite frankly, I feel more comfortable there. So if you want to do that, I'm only being, again, slightly facetious. Um, that'd be great. Uh, I like this uh, super chat. Appreciate you, Daniel. That makes uh, means a lot to us. Says it's not smart when Blake Bell is always the go-to. I was laughing when we saw it against the Saints. I even said in the preseason, I said, maybe pump the brakes a little bit. This is the only time they can actually work on these scrum, these these type of plays, because you're not doing this in the rig or in the uh, in training camp and OTAs. You're not gonna risk some guy getting injured, the physicality of it all. But they probably won't do that in the regular season. Lo and behold, earmuffs, kids. We fucking saw it in the regular season. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right, man. When Blake Bell gets back there, every single team is licking their chops. I like this from Don Don. It's a Lions fan. We got a, we got a Lions fan in the chat right here. Be nice to Don Don. He seems like a cool person. Congrats on the win, by the way. Uh, that's huge for y'all. Uh, it says Chris ja- Chris Jones taking a one year deal to destroy the Bears, Vikings, and Packers. Got gotta love that guy. Appreciate you. All right, R E L A X. We're doing this in honor of Aaron Rodgers. I feel bad for the guy, man. I, I do feel bad for Aaron Rodgers. So I think it's time to relax. All those Bengals fans, all those Bills fans, all those AFC fans around the NFL calling the Chiefs done after losing by one point to a good team of the Detroit Lions. A little quiet now that Monday's come and gone. A little quieter here on Tuesday after the Bengals have one of the worst performances I have ever seen. After the Bills decide that Josh Allen's going to drop acid in the second half and just decide to see ghosts, Chiefs lost, looking better and better. And by the way, let me remind you all, the Chiefs lost to an NFC team. Bengals lost not only to a AFC team, but to a team in their division. The Bills lost to not only a AFC team, but a team in their division. 
quite frankly, the Chiefs had the, if you're going to call it best loss, the best loss of any possible loss you can have. I, I wish that we had done this after during the postgame. If we were to have made a list, so what can happen between now and early next week that will make us feel better about this? Almost every single thing hit. Bengals looked awful. Bills looked awful. Jets season is over. Chargers lost. Hey, Zach Wilson's season, baby. Fountains of Wayne. <laughs> there you go. Baby, black. But the – so the Chargers lost. The, the only team in the AFC West with a win is the Raiders, and we're not scared <laughs> of them. The Jaguars and Ravens won, sure, but we get a chance to beat the Jaguars this week. Chris Jones is back. We haven't heard horrible news about Kelsey. Kelsey might be dating Taylor Swift. This has been a great few days for Chiefs Kingdom. And if you had just looked at our despairing frustration last week and told past us that all of these things would be happening, we would be feeling pretty good coming into this week. So I think it's a perfect time to relax because everyone essentially is going to be starting on the same playing field unless you've got a lot of faith in Jimmy G and the Raiders. And then I guess they do have a head start. Yeah, j- just where I'm coming from here is we've seen this play out time and time again, but particularly in New England. But we also saw it here in Kansas City. Y- you know, they've started out three and four before. Was it three and three or three and four and won the Super Bowl? I think it was four and three. Four and three. Yeah, but, but, so. but, the point, but the point remains, yeah. that's not seven and oh, that's not six and one. You know, it's going to be okay. And that's what it comes down to. This is a long season and not a Super Bowl's not won in September. A Super Bowl's not won in one game uh, to start the year. Okay. Same thing with the Bengals and Bills. You know, I, I, I kind of want to say the same thing. It's just good for Kansas City because they, they lost to AFC and divisional opponents. But, you know, I think Joe Burrow deserves the benefit of the doubt to, that he's going to bounce back. You know, he did this last year. They started off two and two last year. The Bengals did. Joe Burrow looked like a bum last year. Those first four games. Oh, yeah. And then he figured it out. He was injured this year. Missed the preseason. Missed a lot of training camp. It's going to be a slow start. Josh Allen's a little bit more concerning to me because Josh Allen without Brian Dable mm-hmm. has been uh, a turnover machine. Uh, you know, I like Josh Allen. I, I liked him when he was at Wyoming. You know, I, I liked him his rookie year in the NFL. And I said, guys, watch out. This guy has all the tools to become an absolute superstar. Brian Dable got him to reel him in a little bit, right? But Brian Dable's been a Giants head coach now. And what have we seen with Josh Allen? He's reverted back to some of the negative tendencies that he had early on in his career. That, to me, is a little bit more concerning. And I I mean this in the most respectful, not really, I mean it kind of disrespectfully. Josh Allen is a stupid football player. He <laughs> plays dumb. Like, he, so, okay, your opponent, your opponent's potential MVP candidate quarterback goes out and all you have to do is play safe. The other quarterback can't throw it five yards without hitting the, de- the defense. So all you have to do is play safe, cautious football. And he just starts like he's on a Super Mario mushroom doing hurdles 12 yards away from a first down on third down, throwing into double coverage, taking awful sacks. Like, that is a situation where a smart football player knows the situation. And, and understands that he doesn't have to go crazy and go Superman. And it looks like he just lost all command of his mind. Because I don't understand why you would approach the game the way that he did after Rodgers went down. Unless you thought that you had no chance to win. Or you just had no idea how to intelligently approach the situation. You know, no, no disrespect, but like a lot of disrespect. He's got to be smarter. Well, I have respect. I, I still don't talk about him being a quarterback. I just think that occasionally he's good. That was bad, though. Yeah, we we've seen it though from Josh Allen about two or three times a year. I I think he just gets in his head, man. I think that's what it is. And as a much much smaller scale, 
much, much smaller scale as a weekend golfer. I understand getting in your head. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you play sports still, if you're a golfer, let's just say you get the hosels, right? You know how to play golf. You've played golf how many times in your life? You've, You've been a good golfer before. All of a sudden you get the hosels and you act like you have never hit a golf ball in your entire life. I think Josh Allen two or three times a year has a situation where he all of a sudden gets in his head and he's like, what the bleep am I doing? We saw with Kadarius Tony, I think. The, even though these guys are superstar athletes, even though these guys are at the pinnacle of their sport, it happens. They're still human beings in the mental side of the game as just as important as the physical side. Was it Yogi Berra that said like 80% of the game is half mental? You know, in classic Yogi Berra fashion. But it's true. You know, the mental side of the game is huge. I was talking to Tim Grunard yesterday, and he goes, that's what separates, you know, good players or average players from from players who get cut. It's the mental side. It's the, you can't just think, you have to do. If you stop for a second and ponder what's going on, you're getting laid out. If you have to stop and think what's happening, you're not going to make that catch. And and that's such a big deal. I think Josh Allen had a case that yesterday. I don't think that continues the whole season. But in the same reason why I'm giving Joe Burrow and same reason why I'm giving uh, Josh Allen a little bit of of benefit here, I'm going to do the same to Sky Moore and Kadarius Toney. Kadarius Toney, I'm not going to judge him off his worst game of his career. Kadarius Toney just a few months ago helped the Chiefs win a Super Bowl. Let's pump the brakes just a little bit. Yeah, and... I'll cut him a little bit of slack, but I think that at the very least, the gap between Mahomes and Allen and Burrow looked a little bit wider on Sunday than it did on on Saturday or on Thursday. And, and I'm right there with you on giving, particularly Tony and and Sky, some some credit. Sky is a young player with thrusting situation. A lot of his routes are going to be playing off of Kelsey and the layers of defense that he commands. Tony basically showed up right before the game. You know, he had no practices, essentially. Given the whole state of the offense after the Kelsey, the weird stuff going on with Jones, I'm more than willing to cut them some slack. And I think that we're going to go right back to him this week, and I think it's going to be effective. And if it's not, we're going to get blown out. But I come, <laughs> but I, I come, but I come away, I come away from this weekend – thinking that the gap between the Chiefs and the other top teams in the AFC, other than the Jags, which we can change this week, I come away thinking that gap is larger than than more narrow. Yeah, yeah. All I know is after everything that's said and done, after week one, football's back because the randomness, the any given week, and the parody. Look at the, the, the freaking Arizona Cardinals. Everyone kept saying they're tanking. They almost beat Washington. I'm not saying Washington's a good team. But I, I think a lot of people maybe had them on the cusp of making the playoffs in a bad NFC. I, I but I mean seriously, like the NFC, the the NFL is just the ultimate product of parody outside of the Cowboys and Giants game. You, you know, I'm excited, and I just gotta try and take things larger than a one game sample size. So if you are a Chiefs fan, again, in honor of Aaron Rodgers having uh, to miss the rest of the year and who knows the rest of his career with that Achilles injury, R-E-L-A-X. Mahomes, Andy Reid, this era we are currently in, in Chiefs kingdom, they deserve some benefit here. They they deserve so, some leeway here. Let's be real now. So I'm going to give him some leeway. I'm right there with you. And the, I mean, really the only teams in the AFC that have a head start of you than you do right now is obviously the Jags. You can love the playing field. Dolphins looked awesome. We'll see. The uh, Ravens got out to a, to a one Oh start, but they didn't look particularly sharp doing it. 
And if you had told me on Thursday that those are the only three teams that were going to be ahead of you in the win column, we'd be sitting pretty. Our post game <laughs> would have looked a lot different. So I'm I'm feeling good. There's a there's a great opportunity to write the ship this week. The vibes are high with Chris Jones back in the building. We get the news that Kelsey's in. It's it's full steam ahead, bro. Yeah, uh, I will say crack open a arrow red logger from Casey Birko. And let's relax just a little bit. We will have a lot more Chiefs coverage coming your way all week long. On Wednesday, myself, Adam Best. On Thursday, I believe Patrick Allen will be doing the show. And don't forget about game day on Sunday. Uh, apparently, Matt Verderam, according to Richard, said he will be here on Thursday with Patrick Allen. So a huge week, ton of Chiefs content coming your way. We've got we've got two. The before we, we got Friday as well. My betting show to get those Friday, last minute bets in. Show. Yeah, the betting show no, on Friday at noon. Sorry, it's, I'm it's an ass. Bets in for the game. You are good. No sorry. I'm, I'm an ass. Yeah, Richard just giving comment. Yeah, sorry, I'm an ass. I'm getting used to the new schedule. Exactly, that's new. You we're get, good. You got to cut me some slack here. <laughs> no, slack slack is cut just come on here in a few weeks when we're ready to rock and roll all right before we get out of here we love doing a thing typically it's with matt connor myself and richard we do a thing called the must list joe you're filling in for matt connor so richard get in here boom what's up joe what's up sterling there there's the looks of the gang right here I, I like that you're Appreciate drawing the mustache back out, Richard, because someone has to. I had to shave mine after the Chiefs lost. We we know the rules regarding my stash. It's uh, Chiefs win, bad boy grows. Chiefs lose, we're shaving him, looking like a 12-year-old. You look like me, this welcome to the party. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe, since uh, you're doing this today, filling it for Connor, we'll let you go first. Thank you. My my must, we've had, we've had the – Writer's Strike, limited amount of TV, winning time on HBO has its final episode on Sunday, the HBO Adam McKay series about the Showtime Lakers. I think it's been fantastic, really enjoyable. Uh, the the man that they have playing, Dr. Bus John C. Riley of Step Brothers and other Will Ferrell fame has been excellent as, as Dr. Bus. It's been wildly entertaining. The casting was on point. Final episode of the seasons this week, and then I'll be looking for a new show to watch. So I'd highly recommend HBO. Get a little basketball fix. Winning time. It's been a blast. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Perlman, I believe, did a lot of the stuff with Winning Time, correct? Jeff Perlman, the author? Yes. Yes, he did. Yeah. He, he, he's a good author. I like a lot of his uh, his writing. He does a lot of these big ones. He did stuff with Bo Jackson as well. Um yeah, winning time. Uh, I have not seen a lot of it yet. I think I've only seen one episode, but I really liked what I saw. Uh, that's a good one. Uh, Richard, what my you turn. Got? Oh, wait, wait, no question. You got to answer this first. No, Blake that's kind of vague. Blake says, "Has Richard ever discussed the decor in his room before? Is that <laughs> your must list? Your decor?" No, it's not. But uh, I mean, what is there? That's pretty vague. I, I don't need to go in depth. We got a little doll here from a Let's Play channel. We've got the the Citizen Ooh. Toxic uh, Toxic Avenger Avenger Four poster in the background. And everyone always sees the guy. They say, the guy, who's the guy? That's Kyle McLaughlin as uh, Agent Cooper from Twin Peaks Season 3. But for Richard's must list, we must move on. We're not going to be talking about Richard's room. We're going to be talking about Leon the Professional. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people have seen this, but I've also was talking to some friends over the weekend, and they most of them haven't seen this. So I had to must list this. This is a, a film by Luc Besson, the guy who did Fifth Element. Uh, this stars a very young, I think like 12-year-old Natalie Portman and uh, Jean Renault as a hitman, a professional assassin who I guess mentors a young woman. They go through a bunch of hijinks. And also, I forgot, it has classic Gary Oldman, rest in peace, Gary Oldman mm. at, in one of his classic villain roles 
Uh, it's a must watch. Ooh. If you've never seen Leon the Professional, make sure you get the uh, unrated extended version with all the extra scenes. It's worth it. Dude, I've never heard of this, man. It. There you go. I found it. I found another person. Yeah. Sign me up. Yeah. of Richard's things I've never heard of. Like, an yeah. in, in 80 is being generous. I, I would say it's closer to 90. Yeah, they're all yeah. quoting it in the, in the chat. They all know it. So there you go. Check out <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in, man. I need shows. This writer's strike. It's a, good, it's a good action film, man. It's a good action film. Uh, Let's go. For the first time in a long time, I'm actually not doing music, although I will say happy birthday to the professor. Neil Peart, drummer for Rush. This would have been his birthday. So shout out to Rush, 2112. Um, we'll, we'll go with, with the recommendation of 2112, but I'm going to do a book. The Wager by David Gran. This was a phenomenal book about a ship in the 1700s. Okay, a ship in the 1700s. Your mind is hard to fathom what that is like going from England, from the UK, around Cape Horn, that many miles. <laughs> what are you doing, Richard? Everyone thinks that Richard killed Gary Oldman. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, I need to correct something. I think I may have been thinking of somebody else. Uh, I said Gary Oldman passed away. I, he hasn't been acting in a while. I thought he passed away, guys. I, no, I swear. He's alive. Uh, this is. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say this is one of those Mandela was, effects. Uh, it's a Mandela effect. I'm part of the universe that Gary Oldman died in. And, wasn't he uh, just in Oppenheimer? That just came I didn't, out. I didn't watch Oppenheimer, so he's, he's still he's still dead in my book. Sorry, Gary. <laughs> uh, every guy in my book. Uh, died because it was the 1700s so uh they're, they're not no longer living so at least that much i can guarantee uh but the wager really cool uh british naval book uh about a old time story about getting stranded on an island but it's true and they they end up getting some booty from spain no not that kind joe uh coins silver uh good book oh. though I was, so I was very, I love history. So it was a good history book. Well, check that out. I appreciate both your recommendations, neither of which I've heard of. I'm, I like this. I like this segment. This is good. I recommend <laughs> Gary Oldman not dying. Let's just make sure I don't make that come, come true. <laughs> yeah, well, if, something, if something happens this week, it's, that's a disaster. Richard, if, if something happens, I am going to Chicago. I know where you, I know where you live. I'm going to send you like some nice gift to make sure you don't ever speak ill of me. My goodness. Yeah, Richard, can you make sure, like, if you have this kind of voodoo, can you make sure, like, say good things like, yeah, in the year of 3037, Sterling and Joe still kicking it or something like that? In the year 3007, yeah, yeah, you guys are kicking it. You guys are well and alive. Thank you. The United States and Joe. That'd be good. Yeah, no, we're not doing that. All right, this is the Airhead Addict Podcast. Before we get off the rails, see, even with Joe and filling in for Matt Connor, we still go off the rails. Thank you to everyone who was commenting, who was having fun. No thumbs down, Richard. We want thumbs up. So make sure you like this video. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube. Until tomorrow, we are out.
Salutations, humans. It's September 12, 3007, and this is your News Plus update being injected straight into your cerebral feed. This just in, the world celebrates the two oldest humans on Earth, Sterling Holmes and Joe Summers. Congratulations, you two. The neural net and the United States of Joe can't stop talking about these two eternal geezers. Well, that's been your News Plus update for September 12, 3007. We'll catch you next hour, humans. Signing off. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.